Life Spring Number 146, An Important Cause. And how are you? It's so good to see you. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Life Spring. It's so good to have you here today. My, oh, my, oh, my, but is it hot in Riverside. Over 100 and just plain nasty. <laughs> Come on, winter. Well, enough of that. I have a different sort of show for you today. It is very, very seldom that I promote a cause on the show, but today's going to be one of those rare occurrences. I was contacted last week by Dan Johnson of the Journey Inside My Mind podcast about something that is happening in his hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio. Once I took a look at what was going on, I knew that I had to do this show because the topic covers something that goes well beyond Cincinnati. It's something that goes even beyond the United States. This is something that is worldwide and it might even affect you. Hang on for a very interesting and important interview. After the interview, I'll have a few more items of interest as well, so hang on. First, of course, I've got a great song to get us started. Sometimes to believe 
Domestic abuse is a huge problem. The statistics I read recently said that somewhere between nearly 1 million and 3 million women in the United States are victims of some kind of abuse each year. Chances are good that you know someone who's been abused by a spouse or a partner. One way to help is to be educated. Knowing the signs of abuse might just make the difference in a loved one's life. It just might mean that you're moved into action to encourage the victim to make the appropriate changes. You're going to learn another way that you might help on today's show. I'm going to be talking to Dr. Claudia Harsh, spokesperson for the 4th Annual One Voice Domestic Violence Community Awareness Walk, which will take place on Sunday, September 9th in Cincinnati, Ohio. It doesn't matter if you're not in Ohio, you can still help. Listen to find out how. Okay, so I have with me Claudia Harsh. And uh, Claudia, can you tell us a little bit about this event that we're going to be talking about today? going to be talking about the fourth annual Domestic Violence Community Awareness Walk, which is coming up September 9th. We call it the One Voice Walk, and it was started basically by a woman four years ago who was the uh, witness to the murder of a woman by her estranged husband, and the woman who witnessed it was Betsy Bessel, and she actually heard this woman on the other side of a wall say, no, no and she was ultimately killed by her husband at that time. And the woman that was killed was Cheryl Dawson. And um, Betsy chose to, it was a horrible experience, and they called for help, et cetera, Um, but it was an amazing experience, and she chose to turn it into one of awareness for our community here in Cincinnati. And we've continued it. Um, One of the reasons we uh, took over it when I, I took over it last year was that I'm one of the co-founders of Heart to Heart, which is a nonprofit that puts sets of supplies together for women that are leaving our local battered women's shelter. And so um, it was kind of a, a dovetailed what we did. It was kind of like a way of putting effort into a fundraiser that not only honored Cheryl Dawson, but also could funnel money into the Heart to Heart. Well, it sounds like a fantastic thing to be doing. Um, so, so how does it work? Um, people get pledges, or um, tell me about the, just the mechanics we of can the do work. Any of a number of things. Um, the, we can. What we're doing right now is just asking people to pay a registration fee, and with that registration fee, they get a T-shirt, um, and it's a twenty-dollar entry fee, and ten dollars for children ten and under. What we're doing basically is we'll take any amount of of donors, obviously, if people want to raise money more over the $20, but it's set up in such a way that the local church that Cheryl was a member of, the Cincinnati Church of Christ, is going to do a a worship service at 9, and then shortly after that we'll do the registration and start the walk around 11. And the nice part about that is that 
this community, this church community, is joined by so many people in the Cincinnati area, and it's a great way to um, kind of talk about how domestic violence affects our community and what can we do. And, and it, it kind of comes as an individual responsibility. You know, it's not just women's issue. It's not just a man's issue. It's right. a, a community's choice. And so how does it affect not just Cincinnati, but how does it affect uh, communities around the globe? It's amazing. It's something that is not, domestic violence is something that is not a certain socioeconomic group. So it goes across all social strata. It goes across all races. And as we approach fear and tension and terror in our lives, there is an outlet sometimes, and that outlet sometimes goes into violence. And obviously, this is in our particular community, when we look at battered women or women that have been abused, either emotionally or physically threatened, we're looking at close to 1,500 women a year that come through the local shelters. In just Cincinnati. Just in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't include people that maybe they go to a friend's house or maybe they, you know, go elsewhere. So these are just people that have no other place to go but the shelter situation. It's big. So if it's 1,500 in Cincinnati, is there, are there any statistics uh, for nationwide in terms of the United States? I'm sure there are. You know, as I, I'm so tied into my community here that I don't really know what the numbers are. But I know that I'm an OBGYN, and I know that as a practicing physician, we would see an escalation. We'd see trauma increase as a pregnancy increased. And the, the statistics were on the order of 40% of pregnant women would be abused in some way during their pregnancies. Now, it wasn't always physical, like I say. Sometimes it was other situations, but but that's that's huge, as you can imagine. And I think it just it speaks to the crisis points that we have in our society, and we're not very good at mediating. We're not very good at problem solving and peacemaking. But um, we need to learn that. We need to learn it as a as a culture, and we need to learn it in our relationships. Right. Forty percent of pregnancies, um, there's some sort of abuse in there? Some type of abuse, that's correct. Now, how do you define abuse? Well, it could be anything from physically being hit to emotional abuse to any kind of uh, emotional trauma. So it's it's a broad paintbrush, and I recognize that, but... You know, when the statistics, and these are, epidemiologists will tease out those kinds of numbers. Clinically, I would see things like women feeling either they were being forced into making choices they weren't comfortable with, or um, I would see out-and-out physical abuse, but it tended to be somewhat subtle in pregnancy. It is difficult. Okay. So is this um, always coming from the partner, or does it come from other sources as well? The primary source is usually the domestic partner, yes. And by the way, and it's not just heterosexual couples. I mean, that, that's a, an assumption that's not true. It can happen in homosexual couples too. But I think the, the key thing is that it's usually people that are intimate in some way. So um, I'm not talking about random violence. I'm talking about somebody who you are letting into your life in, in some kind of significant way. Now, how often does the domestic violence go from the female to the male? 
That's the most common question that men ask me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would just have to say that female interviewers never ask that question. Okay. You know, it is possible. And I think everybody remembers the Sarah Fawcett movie where she, you know, killed her husband, set his bed on fire. Right. Um, so it is, it is something that is true. And, and, you know, if there's trauma in our society and there's stress in our culture, it's going to show up um, in men and women. But physically, most women can be overpowered by men. So it's usually not a physical attack. Obviously, you know, if you ask my husband, he might say I might use emotional abuse occasionally. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, um, but for the most part, it, the, if you look at the statistics, I think it's like 97, 98% are males to females. Okay, so how can a woman, um, since it's by far the vast majority, and I, and I knew that, and I hate so much to be predictable. <laughs> but... <laughs> just teasing you. <laughs> <laughs> but when does a woman know that it's time to get out? Yeah, that's a hard one. Because how can we look in somebody else's heart and know what the right answer is? But mm-hmm. um, my general rule of thumb, is, and as a caregiver, what I tell people is that if you... If there's a question of safety for either you or for the woman or her loved ones, if there's some kind of control issues where the, there's a financial control or there's um, uh, the stories I read are just amazing. People that are manipulated in such a way that, say, their batteries are taken out of their cars or, you know, they're not able to get to work so they lose their job so they become financially dependent. I mean, that those kinds of uh, strategies that are used, obviously, when somebody's feeling that their life's being controlled, then it's time to start looking for help. It's difficult. Often people will say, well, why don't uh, women leave? You know, we have so many choices in our, our culture, and it's just not an easy thing to do. I can't speak for a battered woman, but I can just say that having read lots of their stories, because every time we give sets of supplies, we get little brief synopsis from the case managers, and the the stories are heart-wrenching. Sometimes it's physical abuse, and the stories go like they've been together for five years, and initially she he promised to change, things like that. And uh, I, I think it's not an easy thing. I think when we open our hearts to somebody, we want to only see the positives. So I think it's difficult. I'm sure that it's a difficult thing. Uh, it must be, because uh, women typically don't leave after the first time she's hit. They right. they seem to stick around, and sometimes until it's far too late. Exactly. And I don't know what the statistics are now for Hamilton County, for Cincinnati area, but I know that we've had, uh, I think it's about a dozen murders in the last five years. So it's not real common, but it is there, you know, murders of domestic violence uh, that have been pinned to that. So someone like Cheryl Dawson, for instance, who started this whole ball rolling. So what is the population in Cincinnati? For the general area, it's about a million. If you include northern Kentucky and, and the general area, it's just about a million. And the, the Ohio area itself, it's probably about 750,000, I think. So you said uh, there were about a dozen murders in, in what period of time? I think it's five years. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. you're seeing as many as 1,500 in your center annually? That's right. I actually don't run the center. I just run a nonprofit that gives supplies to the women as they leave the shelter. So I work with the case managers, and I'm I'm a volunteer. I, this is my this is my part time mm-hmm. job. 
So obviously, the the point that um, culminates in murder is is, is rare, but beating right. is or other kind of. Now, the women that come to the center, do they come mostly because of the physical abuse? Is that what drives them there, or do they sometimes go there only because of the? Not I say only, but short of physical abuse. Let's just put it that way. It's everything. Okay. But um, physical abuse is a good percentage of it, but probably the emotional abuse or um, manipulation or control or things along those lines is probably one of the, it's probably the biggest thing. So if that's true that the uh, emotional control or, or other things are, are the majority, that's a good thing. That means that they're, they are learning that they need to get out before the physical right. violence starts. Absolutely. So that is a good thing. It is a good thing. All right. Well, so how can somebody become involved in this community awareness walk? The podcast that you're you know, a part of right now is heard worldwide. And mm-hmm. so can people make donations online or, or how, do, how would they go about being a help? Absolutely. They could do one of two things. Either the One Voice Walk itself has a website and then Heart to Heart has a website. So the One Voice Walk is pretty straightforward. It's onevoicewalk.org. So all one word, one voice walk. And then um, Heart to Heart is hearttoheartcincinnati.org. And that's the two as in T-O, not the numeral two. exactly. Okay. And I think there's a huge commitment to try to make a change. And what I see is, like we work with the center, the YWCA Battered Women's Shelter, but we also have connections with what's called the Rape Crisis and Abuse Center of Hamilton County, and the Northern Kentucky Women's Crisis Center. So we have several community agencies that are not only supportive of the walk, but also um, supply counseling and support to women that are in situations like this. And um, we're, we're blessed, I think, in our community to have this wealth of support. And yet the focus has been on let's support the women, but let's also get people talking and let's figure out stress management techniques and let's look at mediation strategies and you know I, I think it has to be kind of a holistic approach if you can stand an overused word <laughs> <laughs> well that's very good and, and that leads me to another question then if you have a loved one who you think might be involved in some sort of a, a relationship where abuse is taking place what's the best way to help you know the best way to help them is to take them out of that situation at least for a moment a, a lunch or a dinner and and talk about how much you care about them and how much you want to see them safe and loved and supported. And then just listen and just see if there's something that they need to say. Like I say, we have handouts that the YWCA and the Rape Crisis and Abuse Center have. So it's, it's easy to hand somebody a pamphlet and say, these are some phone numbers that if you need help or use, you know, if it were my loved one, I would make sure they knew how to get in touch with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, I think that we can't really, you know, I can't live your life, you can't live mine, but I can certainly extend my heart to yours, and I can tell you that I care about you and that you you deserve to be loved and supported, and then if there's something that you need to tell me and you need to kind of discuss and, and process, everybody has to make their own journey. I think in some senses, the decision has to be, the woman's not mine, that, you know, you need to get out of that, that's that's not going to work. It has to be more along the lines of uh, being open to what they need to tell you. That sometimes is one of the most frustrating parts about being a caregiver, isn't it? That you can't save them. No. It has to be a decision on their own. Well, 
you know, if I can put a religious context to it, I hope that's nope. okay. And of course, show. Uh, my show is a religious show. So, <laughs> so I mean, as a physician, I, I always double check that people are okay if I use the God word. But um, we use that a lot on this show. Well, (laughs) what I would say to someone is, you know, your creator is there and loves you unconditionally and, you know, wants you to be the divine expression that you're meant to be. And what's getting in that way? You know, what, what can I do to help you realize your own divine potential? And sometimes it's, I need to recognize this relationship is hurting me. And as much as I love him, he's hurting me. Um, Sometimes it's, I need to recognize what I need to do to take care of myself and my children. So it, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to put, but if I leave it in the context of there's a, a divine spirit that's there to support us and loves us, it, it makes it much easier. Let's, let me back up just a little bit and ask you, what are the warning signs that one should look for in trying to determine if the loved one is in one of these kinds of situations? Are there warning signs? Absolutely. I mean, I think the the key one usually is isolation. If you normally have been in a relationship with someone and they're not either returning calls or they're more abrupt or, you know, that whereas normally you would be getting together relatively frequently and then all of a sudden it stopped, that would be one thing. Usually you don't see things like bruises, but if you saw some kind of evidence of bruise and and um, and it just didn't make sense that you could run into the door and, and have a black eye. You know, that usually just doesn't happen. That's a little too cliche. But, um, you know, if you see evidence of physical damage, um, obviously that's something you can pay attention to. But typically more it's isolation. It's um, a pulling back or a, if there was a connection and the breaking that connection um, and trying to understand where the broken connection came from. Okay. Exploring that a little bit. What about kids? How often is it where it's only one of the kids that's being abused and, and not the mother? Does that ever happen? Absolutely. And I, I think it's a, that's probably one of the things that gets women moving faster. Like they'll take it on themselves more than they'll let their children be affected. Just to give you an idea, for the, just for last year, I think we put almost 500 sets together for children and uh, so when we do sets for children, it's a blanket and a pillow and a, a stuffed animal and a, a age and gender appropriate book and toy. So 500 kids in a year, that's pretty phenomenal. And that's just the shelter. So again, we're not including people that didn't go through the YWCA shelter. But, you know, I think that often is quoted to the case managers. You know, I needed to leave because he hit my daughter or I saw, you know, my son was upset. So... If you can imagine the trauma, um, because when women leave the shelter, they're, the shelter, for one thing, there's no address listed. You can't find it. It's not, you know, it's there for a reason. We don't want people to find it. But then the women go into addresses that are not published by the case managers. I mean, I never meet the women. I just hear about them through what the case managers tell me and their anonymity and their, their location. It's almost, it's not like a, the FBI, but um, yet... If they want to try to be in hiding, they can be. So I, I would say that what the shelter is trying to do is to provide safety and put the children in a situation where they feel safe and secure. But imagine as a kid what that would mean. That would mean if you're in school, that means you're going to be in a different school all of a sudden or you're going to be in a shelter situation, which is not ideal. I think there's something like 70 people, 68 people in the shelter, and it uh, get really crowded. 
Well, it's a trauma all the way around. I mean, there's nothing good about abuse. No. So what does it cost to put a set together? Well, it depends on the set. For the most part, they're between $20 and, and $50. The typical kid set is right around $15 to $18. I actually have this on the website, so I'll double-check the numbers. But the women's set, which is kind of things like towels and a shower curtain and um, some bathing supplies, runs right around $30. Then we have a starting over set that is geared specifically for, um, you know, restocking the kitchen, so pots and pans and and things like that, knit, oven mitts and that sort of thing. And that's a little bit more expensive. That's like the 35 to $40 range. Okay. Well, Claudia, thank you so very much for spending time with us. And uh, I will be praying for this uh, for this walk, and I'm encouraging my listeners to give in any way that they can and uh, to check out the websites. This is not a problem only in Cincinnati. This is a, a nationwide and even a worldwide problem. Absolutely. We really appreciate your support and, you know, light and love to you for doing what you do. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Claudia. May God bless Bye. you richly. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I'll have those links that Claudia talked about at the end of the show and on the show notes page at lifespringpodcast.com.
Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. Guys, there is never, never, never a reason to hit a woman. Never. In the rare circumstance that self-defense is called for, what you do is you get out of there. Remove yourself. A man does not hit a woman. If you feel the urge to do violence against your wife, get out of there and get professional help, preferably Christian. Never be so weak as to succumb to the temptation to hit her. Never. You know, the mood, the tone, the atmosphere in your house is your responsibility. If you want peace and calm, it's up to you to create it. If you have strife and nagging, it's because you're not the man you should be. It's on your shoulders. If you don't seem to be able to get it together, there's nothing shameful about getting help to learn the skills. You didn't grow up just knowing how to balance a ledger or how to swing a hammer or how to put together a business plan. Somebody taught you. Same with being a husband and father. It's a set of skills that can be learned. Be a man and step up if needed. There's no shame. The shame is in victimizing your loved ones. And you know it. Jesus can be a great source of strength and is a great role model for men. We never see him speak anything but kind words to women, and he had some very specific things to say about anyone who hurts children. He said it would be better for that person that a heavy weight be put around their neck and then thrown into the sea than for them to hurt a child. Don't mess with the kids. Get to know Jesus. Read about him if you don't already know him. Write to me if you want to know more. Time's getting short on today's show, but if you'll write to me, I promise to respond. You can email me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Today's music was April Start and Daryl Smith from the Podsafe Music Network. Links mentioned in the interview were onevoicewalk.org and hearttoheartcincinnati.org. Special thanks to Daniel Johnson Jr. for introducing the One Voice Domestic Violence Awareness Walk and Dr. Claudia Harsh to me. His podcast is jimmpodcast.blogspot.com. Of course, all these links will be on the show notes page at lifespringpodcast.com. I've got some vacation pictures there as well as mentioned last week. Come on and take a look. Remember, you can email me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com and the toll-free listener comment line is just waiting for you at 877-433-9091. Jesus said, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your station in life. Jesus asks you this, Who do you say that I am? LifeSpring is about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. 
Hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. Check out all the other shows in the LifeSpring family of podcasts at LifespringPodcast.com. I'll see you next time. God bless you. I'm Steve Webb. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight. <laughs>